What's up, Dirty Benches? I'm JD. And I'm Patty Popcorn. And we are the hosts of the Old Dirty Bitches podcast. If you came here to listen to two women shoot the shit and talk about stuff we are not qualified to talk about, then you're at the right podcast. On ODB, we talk about white collar crime, which costs the country upwards of 300 to 600 billion every year. Unacceptable. White collar crime is typically orchestrated by those in occupational positions with the opportunity to commit these crimes. These crimes include insider trading, fraud, tax evasion, bribery, price fixing, and of course, corruption. We will discuss real cases, related articles, podcasts, and documentaries, movies related to the crime. Occasionally, we may sprinkle a movie review in. Our theme song is performed by Good Co. You can find them on YouTube, and don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave us a review anywhere you stream your podcasts. So gives us a listen. everyone hello welcome to our very professional podcast <laughs> we certainly don't laugh our producer conrad, benches. conrad's out sick today <laughs> that we're on our own it. i know what we're talking about which is a big <laughs> step up from the last one <laughs> <laughs> yes uh old dirty benches uh white collar crime Sometimes we throw in <laughs> and movie reviews, movie reviews, yes, for fun, for funsies. So today we are doing white collar crime, though. We are, yeah. David Brooks, David H. Brooks, David. Yeah, you have to be careful when you look because for him. I think there's an actor, or director. Or yes, something. there is. When I googled it. I'm like, what? You're like, and why are I was we talking like, about him? Crime, and then I got the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I first it's was looking him up, important to put crime. I did the same thing, and then I put in fraud. I didn't put in. <laughs> well, I didn't know for sure. I I know you've told me several times, but when I googled it, I was like, "What what kind of crime was it again?" So I just say crime. I know. Which, by the way, we're going to interview another individual, um, Richard Bailey. We've been in conversations with him, and <laughs> when I went to go look out up his name, it popped up a candy heiress and a crime with that that took place in like Las Vegas or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, candy. Okay. So I started like looking it up. And, <laughs> and then he's like, no. And then I was like, me. oh, this is the wrong story. Like not the same person. So it was like the middle initial. The one. I know. It, it was very interesting. It involves murder and some fraud. And candy. And candy, of course. Who doesn't it's like it? Body armor. So it's very similar. Yes. Very similar. And fraud. You can lick the body armor. Just kidding. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um. <laughs> I don't know what kind of weirdos we have listening to this, but uh, there's some. I mean, I feel like Go we're in good it. company. They're coming back regularly. They must like something about the show, right? Okay. We have a few fans. Yeah, diehards. Thank you, everyone. And because of Scandaval, I've really bonded with one of our fans. <laughs> really? Vanderpump Rules. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a shout out. I was like, ah, me. Singapore, I just want to say hello. Thank you for stopping by. You've been Singapore? listening to us regularly, and I like it. That's a new person? No, I don't know. It's oh. a country. We have oh, really? Listeners They're still over there. on. Do you think it's someone that has a VPN? I don't know. But I like it. <laughs> but we'll take it. I'm like, we've gone worldwide. Konnichiwa. I don't know what's <laughs> Singapore. I have to look up what their hello is. <laughs> We've gone worldwide. <laughs> We're a phenomenon. It's true. <laughs> Bitches in our and own mind. <laughs> Worldwide. Okay, back to All right. Brooks. Yes. Brooksy. So I have to say, I'm always amazed by these stories. I'm not anymore. Literally, I mean, though, the gall is always like, really? I know. But he had like a legit business going. It's never enough. Never. That's profit, dude. That's the Revenue. Thing. You got to put more. You know, did you ever see that movie Black Widow, Deborah Winger? Maybe. Long time ago. I have to look it up again. It was like 80s, I think. Yeah. But anyway. It sounds uh, familiar. The Black Widow lady 
uh, Deborah Winger says, like, well, you know, when is rich? When is it enough? And she said, that's the tricky thing about being rich. It's never enough. I, but I believe uh, that. Yes, that's true. I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't mind knowing, but I mean, whatever. I think even if I was rich, I'd still eat Wiener Schnitzel, but I'm eating <laughs> Wiener Schnitzel. That should tell you something. <laughs> Because it's fucking delicious. I know okay? it is. That salty if goodness. If we don't get them as a sponsor at some point, <laughs> it's just not right. Okay. For real. I'm saying. I, Wiener Sissel, I will eat your food <laughs> on air. I'm I do you it that. anyway. <laughs> we give you shout outs literally every time. Yes. Although I think we didn't say anything on the last one. Oh, yeah. You might be right. But we're not done with that one. Oh, no, so I did. get thrown in. I did. Remember when we were talking about the locks on the fridges and I was like, that's when I would be out. <laughs> if I can't have my Wiener Sissel, okay. I'm out. See, product placement. It's in every It was episode. there. I slipped it in there. That's funny. I slipped to lighten the mood a little bit on that episode. <laughs> we have a tood wiener, dude. <laughs> Okay, so David Brooks, what did David do? I'm going to, we're going to tell you. Nothing good. David swindled $185 million. Million. Million dollars. Imagine. I have no idea. On what? What would you spend that kind of money on? $185 million? I mean, the world is literally your oyster. It is. Um, First, some houses for the kids. Okay. Yep. I'll um, allow it. That's nice. There's this car that John has been wanting. It's <laughs> what is it? The I don't know. It's like a Yukon or something, but the XLT all souped what up. The one that you had. The rental that we yeah. had. He fell in love with that car. We had it it's because like a mile to the gallon. <laughs> such a gas hog what a great idea but, anyway who cares you're shitting money you don't yes care. exactly so the he, planet psh, i'm not gonna be here forever <laughs> the planet doesn't need to be either i i read somewhere we have 50 billion years left before the asteroid hits so billion i think so i don't know it could be All less right. than that so factor that in your plans everyone <laughs> <laughs> Might be less. I don't know. I get the end of days vibe. I don't know about you, but well, ever I... since COVID, it's been like downhill steadily. <laughs> Am I lying? I don't think so. Like, it just seems so. like we're living through historic times. Like enough, enough. I can't. I know in the middle of COVID, like I think I started becoming premenopausal. So <laughs> double whammy. My belly has gone downhill. I know that. <laughs> There's a snuffleupagus living in there. I got a big loaf of bread. Always <laughs> bacon. Yep, the yeast. <laughs> it looks like bread dough. The yeast is proofing, everyone. That's what I want to say. <laughs> All right. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Sorry. Tangent. Tangent. David so, Brooks. David Brooks. Actually, I'll say this up front. He died in... 2016 in yep, October. He did. Yep, in at the prison. Federal Correctional Institution in Danbury, Connecticut. Did it say why? Uh, I don't think it, it did. Didn't. I didn't say anything. Just I don't think died. I found anything, but it could be in my notes for suspicious. Down, so. Maybe. <laughs> so, so David, <laughs> he just passed away. I did. <laughs> Nothing to see. He here. fell asleep. He was like 50, and he drifted off, <laughs> as okay. one does. Maybe he had too much wiener schnitzel while he was sitting at <laughs> dinner. Food coma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, so gosh. David H. Brooks was the founder and CEO of DHB Industries Incorporated. <laughs> what a very creative name. Right? I know. I loved His it. His initials. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> Could have been Babbling Brooks. Babbling Brooks. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. The firm manufactured body armor for the U.S. military and law enforcement agencies. In particular, DHB Industries and its successor, Point Blank Industries, as we know them Babbling now. Babbling Brooks, yes. Babbling Brooks, yes. <laughs> <laughs> supplies blank. interceptor body armor to the U.S. Army. Okay. Yes. So he allegedly reaped $185 million by selling DHB stock when he learned that 6,000 bulletproof vests the company made were about to be recalled for being faulty and not able to block the bullets 
or ammo that they said it would. What did they do then? They oh, just look nice when you put them on or gave um, you a false sense of security? Gave gave a false sense of security. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That our what military was working. Yeah, nice. While they were serving. Like, uh-oh. In deployed locations, thinking that they were well protected each time they went out there. Yeah. Food for thought. Security body armor. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that the FSS. quality was there. <laughs> wow, that's actually a good acronym. See? There. There you go. <laughs> All right. Horrible. So, how did uh, good old David get started in his business? We're going to tell you. DHB was formed in 1992 as DHB Capital Group Incorporated. Its founder, David Brooks, had previously worked as a stockbroker. What can go wrong, right, everyone? <laughs> Insider trading, maybe. So DHB soon made its first acquisition, Protective Apparel Corporation of America, uh, otherwise known as PACA. PACA was based in Tennessee, and it dated back to the mid-1970s. That's when it was created. created, The company was built around the then-emerging industry of bulletproof vest or soft body armor, which was made possible by... Uh, new synthetic materials that combine like the strength uh, that also involved lightweight. DuPont's Kevlar was perhaps the most famous of these. Think plastic, but much stronger uh-huh. that they're putting into these vests. Thick layers of the tightly woven fabric could spread the force of a projectile across a large surface area, flattening the slug and preventing it from piercing the vest, allowing people to survive gunshots with just a bruise. So you might see like a purple area underneath the vest, but it's basically stopping. You're not going to get killed. Yes, correct. So the protective vest soon became a staple of police departments. Uh, SWAT units were buying them and, of course, the military. However, PACA focused on the military side of the business until 1993 when it unveiled a line of vests for law enforcement. In contrast, Point Blank concentrated on police forces until about 1998. Many of PACA's police vests were tailored to individual measurements, so... When you do your own measurements, um, self measured or yeah, but they were um, customized. You know, I had to um, measure people for a bulletproof vest when I worked at the state patrol. <laughs> did you? I did. Oh, look at you! I know how to do that. Uh oh. Yeah, I've so it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when I was in the military, I think they just issued like a certain size based off of your height and stuff. I don't think we got like exact measurements or anything so that it was customized to you. When I did work in law enforcement, I did have a a vest that was customized for me. Yeah, it seems like custom's a way to go. Yeah, because I mean, you got to think like when you have like your duty belt and stuff like that on, you need to be able to move do all that stuff, and it needs to be, it needs to fit right on right, you. Right, exactly. So, uh, by 1995, PACA had grown to 115 employees, and then a new Spoots, Spoots group. Spoots <laughs> group? What? Spoots group? A new sports group. <laughs> oh, sports. I know, Spoots. I'm like, what? what is Spoots? <laughs> I don't remember that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Was launched in 1994 with the acquisition of Oakland Park, Florida's NDL products. Publicly traded NDL products had annual revenues of about $12 million in the early 1990s, but had fallen into bankruptcy. So DHB paid about $3 million for its assets, so they acquired them. The unit sales blossomed to $5 million within a few years after it won distribution from big box department store chains, but it remained a relatively small part of the overall business. So he's like accumulating this stuff after he's created his own business. Right. Okay. Nothing wrong so far. Nope. Sounds fine. Yep. Everything sounds legit still, right? I mean, he's turning in this smaller business right. into a more Just successful yep, organization. American dream. American, right? Bootstrap. guns. Okay. Bootstraps and and bra straps. That's what we're talking about here. (laughs) Okay. 
You just got to pull him up, everyone. You sure do, bra strap. Grab the bull by the horns and, and the boobs by the bra strap. Keep let's go working at it till opportunity strikes you. That's <laughs> and how then you, you move cash up in America. Out and run away. <laughs> so, DHB acquired Packa's rival, Point Blank Body Armor Incorporated, which is in bankruptcy by 1995. And Point Blank had been launched in 1973 in Amityville, New York, not to be uh, confused with Amityville Horror. After the acquisition, it was relocated to a 90,000 square foot facility in Oakland Park uh, near Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This was also the site of NDL products. So he's kind of bringing everything together now that he's acquired these different companies. Right. Point Blank had grown along with the body armor industry. In 1997, it reported more than 15 million annual revenues and employed 370 people. So there was a new line of interceptor vests for the U.S. military, uh, which was boasting business still further. The parent company, DHB, had total revenues of $33.2 million in 1997 and a net profit of $1.5 million. So they're making, he's making a lot of money. He's making money. Making tons of money. And so 9-11, right? This is where we start getting into like 9-11. So by 2000, DHB's annual sales were 70 million and growing rapidly. The company DHB Capital Group was renamed DHB Industries Incorporated in July 2001. The move was to avoid the misperception that the form, that the firm was involved in investment banking or other financial services. A couple of months later, its shares were delisted from the Nasdaq. However, its share price soared with the growth of Homeland Security related business following the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Of course, everyone's like, woohoo. Yeah, because 9-11 happens. We decided to go into Iraq, right? So now we're deploying all these service members. You know, there was more activity amongst law enforcement here locally as well. All of them had been more active, like activated. That had right, everyone was very excited. Yeah, everybody was on high alert. So there was a need for more vests. I mean, they saw after 9-11 enlistments had increased for the military as well as uh, recruitment for law enforcement and stuff. There was a huge increase in the amount of people that wanted to join at that point. So there was also a need to produce more supplies and resources that include these vests. So body armor continued to account for as much as 90% of revenue. That's a lot. Yeah, 90% is a lot. (laughs) Not good if something happens with it. Yes. Which was about ninety-eight million in two thousand one. Ninety-eight million. Yeah, your contracts. Big freaking business. Mm-hmm. Net net profit was ten million. Shares returned to the American Stock Exchange in two thousand one, after a period on the OTC bulletin board. DHB took advantage of the insecure world situation by broadening its range of products for the military. So it landed a contract for coveralls not armored in 2002. So total so they revenues. they got their foot in the door. Yep. After they got their foot in the door, they were like, hey, we can also produce these coveralls right. for you. Which the DOD was like, okay, you're doing good in and the best stuff. And $8,000 like a golden <laughs> toilet. <laughs> So total revenues for the year were 130 million. The new military contracts had DHB scrambling to find additional manufacturing space. So they're like outgrowing themselves at this point with these contracts that they're doing. Right. They're doing good. Oh yeah. They're hopping. But again, it was not enough everyone. Nope. <laughs> So, unable to win regulatory approval to expand the Oakland Park plant, I guess DeSantis wasn't running things because I'm sure he would have been completely open to this. Of course. But I digress. Was it (laughs) anti-Disney? It instead added to its facility in Tennessee and farmed out some labor-intensive sewing to federal prison industries. The company also opened a small manufacturing unit in Belgium, dubbed Point Blank International. So he's expanding like us worldwide now. (laughs) 
Complaining of low wages and lousy conditions, this is where some of the workers now are getting frustrated. At the Florida plant, they rallied to join the Union of Needle Trades, Industrial and Textile Employees, otherwise known as Unite, and walked off the job for a couple of weeks in 2002. So he's expanding, but it's also worsening the conditions for the employees at this time. Some of the striking employees also accuse the company of skimping on quality, while Unite accused it of violating securities law by failing to disclose related party transactions. DHB did business with Tactical Armor Products, which was headed by the wife of DHB founder and CEO, David Brooks. Oh, a little nepotism. Uh-huh. I'm sure, though, she was only answering phones at the <laughs> front sure. desk because her husband was working in his office and she had no idea what uh, was going on. Exactly. She yes. was just a figurehead. Uh, a, of course, a trophy wife, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. So the company's sales and stock price proved resistant in the face of the union's attack. A DOD review found no defects and the orders kept coming. In 2004, Point Blank quickly developed a new upper body attachment for its best-selling interceptor vest to meet Marine Corps demands in Iraq. It was called the Dorsal Auxiliary Protection System. It shielded the shoulder and vulnerable underarms. Okay. So was something you attached to your body armor? Yeah, so like your vests are designed for you but then you can put these inserts in so they essentially that's what they were doing yeah more protection Mm -hmm. at this point so let's take a quick break here we're going to bring somebody in who actually has knowledge about this and then we'll be back hello mitch the snitch nice to have you on again yeah, hello. I'm glad to be on. <laughs> we understand that you have some insider information uh, with respect to our topic this episode that has to do with a one Mr. David Brooks who was selling body armor uh, to the Department of Defense. What sort of information can you share with us? Well, I can tell you that um, I was in the business of doing a lot of procurement, you know, of all kinds of um, military gear for the for the military. Um, so for this, this was actually a a you know we were treating it like a normal recall. We we always get recalls on stuff. Uh, lot numbers or something was bad, so we didn't. To me, and 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 for the department that I was working for, we just put out the recall and we said, hey, um, if you have these lot numbers or this particular type of body armor, um, just turn your plates in and we'll get you new ones. Um, And we just kind of went that direction. Okay. And by plates, can you explain real quick what you mean by that? So all different types of uh, body armor, uh, believe it or not, it's, it's a somewhat of a um like a vest the best way to explain it and then you have these little kevlar plates or or you know sometimes times in the sewing world they might call them second chance uh vests with the kevlar plates that that are bulletproof or shrapnel you know shrapnel uh proof uh and so that you can they do have a life cycle to them so you always have to take them out and replace them at a at a certain time um and also if you take an impact on them you you would need to replace them and put new ones in there okay okay i understand um so you all are recalling these vests um i mean did you hear anything like why they were being recalled or anything like that well, so in the beginning of the of the Iraq War and, and stuff, there was a lot of things going on. The you know our Humvees weren't prepared correctly; they didn't have all the right um, shielding uh, on it uh, or the armor on it. So for this, this was at first a a recall, and again, it, it's a notification that we sent out to everybody and said, "Hey, um, if you have this, just taking it." When we found out that they were 
being recalled mainly because they were garbage. Okay. Then we put we ramped it up and and was telling everybody we really didn't care about the lot numbers. We were trying to get new ones uh, in okay. and, and just started pulling that. So that you just particular. pulled all of it? Yeah, started pulling all of it. Okay. Um, I mean, to your point, when you realized that it was garbage and, you know, you are meant to wear these to protect you when you're out there doing your job, how did that make you feel? Oh, it's... It, you know, like I said in the beginning, we had, uh, you know, we weren't, we didn't expect to be in that war long, um, and then have not out, not having the right uh, armor. I mean, we had a lot of protection. Don't get me wrong, but now we're using uh, what we call the, uh, you know, this the vendor's product that's not been tested. It was gone through really quick. Um, now you get a little nervous. Are you? actually protected um and then some people were trying to triple their plates and carry extra weight um doing all kinds of um crazy stuff the helmets that we had on were idea now we're finding out our second chance or our flak jackets or those you know those plates that we were putting in in there just not wasn't going to do the job for us Mm. yeah that sucks man that's pretty bad we had already previously talked about that, but, um, you know, finding out that what you thought was going to protect you wasn't really doing what it was meant to do, especially in that sort of situation, because it's already high stress. So, yeah. Um, do you have any other information? Well, it, it really comes down to, and I'm not going to blame really the government or anybody. It, it's It was a pressing time um and having we didn't have all the right checks in place to ensure so we took a vendor off the street that was promising big deals had a lot of apparently they had a lot of connections um or one or two real connections and then they were able to get in there um that's not how it works it it didn't work before all this stuff happened and it doesn't work today um, there's a lot of checks and balances on this stuff. Um, you'll always have recalls, but nothing at this magnitude. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was pretty upsetting. Um, you know, you always wonder how many lives were not saved because of this. Um, and you don't always want to try to test it out either. So, yeah, it, it was just a, a unfortunate that this got through what normally will catch it, you know, all the trials and, and so forth. Um, but, you know, hope it never happens again. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for stopping by, Mitch. We'll see you around. <laughs> I appreciate it. All I right, always, bye. I always enjoy being on your show. Oh, well, thank you. All right. all right, get out of here. Bye. Okay, bye. All right. Very interesting stuff. <laughs> right? Inside Insights. scoop. I love it. <laughs> okay. So when an employee identified only as John Doe confronted Hatfield in late 2004 with evidence that the inventory of Vest was overvalued by up to $8 million, prosecutors say she told him the company, and I quote, could not take a hit of reducing the valuation to the correct amount, end quote. Uh-oh. Yeah, so somebody came forward and was like, hey, red flag. Hey, uh, you're not going to be able to sustain if this comes out. And they were like, get out of here. We're not trying to hear that. I'm trying to keep exactly. money in my He's pockets. Like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Oh, yeah, you know, David Brooks was like, false. Fake news. Get out of here. I have my alternative facts. And you're wrong. Oh, God. That's a thing now. Uh, Unfortunately, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So DHB Industries uh, had focused on the execution of a three-pronged strategic plan. Number one, fake it till you make it. (laughs) That's a lot of businesses. Just kidding. (laughs) 
Number one, accelerated growth through acquisition. Number two, rapid turnaround through operational management and brand revitalization. That sound legit. That sounds like bullshit, but go ahead. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> because words. <laughs> Can you imagine if you've seen this posted on the wall? Like on a marketing thing? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. They're like, our strategic plan moving forward. And you're like, what? Prestige worldwide. (laughs) Prestige worldwide. (laughs) Boats and hoes. Yeah. Number three, aggressive sales and marketing. In other words, pump and dump (laughs) and run away. (laughs) I'll be the... The real talk. I'll real talk it for you guys. Marketing of core brands. Technology. Bolt it, bolt it, pump, dump, run away. Right. Hope you don't get caught. Any questions? Number four. <laughs> Break out the shredders. <laughs> Move somewhere where they don't do extradition. <laughs> the dance sheet. Break out the dance sheet. Okay. The systemic systematic, excuse me, execution of this plan has resulted in a strong, healthy, highly focused corporate organization. We turned it around and we didn't have to say (laughs) our shit don't work. What could go wrong? It's only people's lives. I mean, literally. Right. That's that's the important thing. It's not like you're making (laughs) T-shirts overall. What? Dude. So here's here's. The fucked up part of this. I'm just going to say it like it is. Okay? I'm going to call it like I see it. That's what we do here. ODB. Channel your inner (laughs) patty popcorn. (laughs) Pop it out. Pop it out. (laughs) Buns in the oven. Buns coming out of the oven. Bust out that kernel of truth, baby. (laughs) (laughs) They're producing this shit. And it's literal shit. It's shit. And they know it. Yeah. But they're like, um, we can't do anything because we'll lose our business. Dude, and our military are wearing it. Yeah. In deployed locations, right? Sickening. Yes. Or our law enforcement or whoever needs to wear these Which is vests. practically the battlefield, how it is nowadays. I mean, they're wearing these thinking that, that they have some sort of shield or protection that's going to save their lives. Right. And it was shit. It was garbage. It was shit. But yeah, you were okay with that as long as the money kept coming in. Right. Disgusting. Disgusting. So I'm glad you mysteriously died in prison in 2016. (laughs) Undetermined. (laughs) We don't know why. We don't. Speculation. Somebody poisoned his mashed potatoes. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe one of the security guards. Could have been. Off them because they have to wear that body armor on. Could have been, yeah, prior military or something. Allegedly, in my opinion. Conspiracy theory. First Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know. to work through its record backlog, Point Blank opened a couple new facilities in Deerfield Beach, which was 51,000 square feet, and Papano Beach. Pompano? But <laughs> Pompano. What'd you say? Pompano? awesome (laughs) anyone that lives by pompano can let us know Uh, and another beach that's we don't know and anyway (laughs) that was 104,000 square feet both in south florida the former was slated for military production. The latter handled orders for police departments. Okay. So he's kind of designated Separating. which facility will do which. And <laughs> so who's going to get the ones that actually work? Police? <laughs> or do they just not work? They they just didn't work. Yeah. And he's still making them the same? He's still making them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh. Mind you, employees are coming forward and saying. Right. This shit's not working. It's not, it's not being made up to code. Like, and he's like, they're standards. You just. Go away. You shut up. Yeah, him and no, Paul. Shut up. Him and Paul should have got together because the both of these are winners here. They oh, were like, hey, 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 get under the rug and shut the fuck up. Yeah, don't ask I don't want to see your face anymore. Just get that shit out. In April 2002, the company finally recognized the Unite Union at its older Oakland Park site only. So the older facility that they had. Right? Yeah. 
they're allowing them to unionize, but just at that facility, not at his other ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Weird. So Chief Operating Officer Sandra Hatfield told the Investors Business Daily she intended the company to be a billion-dollar company. Sales were reported at $230 million in 2003, but said to be growing by $100 million a year. That's how fast they were growing. The company set up an office in Washington, D.C. to cater to a small 1% of revenue at the time by growing international trade. So he's all over the place now. Right. Adding more facilities. Now he's based in D.C., probably so he can lobby our politicians to look the other way while he fucking does whatever garbage. Mm -hmm. So while body armor was credited with saving many lives, it was also perceived as bulky, heavy, and hot. DHB continued to develop lighter models using the latest materials. (laughs) Uh What could go wrong? For example, at Well, that shit don't work anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be really sad to know Uh that you're hot and uncomfortable and it won't even help you. Yep. For example, at eight pounds, the new Interceptor weighed about half as much as early vest. This was vital because the more comfortable the vest, the more likely they were to be actually worn by soldiers and police officers in the field. The development process did not always proceed smoothly. Japan's Toyobo company claimed its Cylon was the strongest synthetic fiber in the world. However, it was found to weaken in extreme heat and high humidity. And I want to point out that many of these individuals in the military were deployed to locations where it was... Right, where it's fucking like the Daily, sun. over 100 degrees. They had sandstorms coming through. The heat is immense. So put that into perspective when you're thinking about these vests. In 2005, Point Blank agreed to replace... Thousands of vests made with relatively large amounts of Zylon in order to settle one class action lawsuit. And in April 2006, it paid $45 million to settle similar suits. So now they're being hit with lawsuits. The issue affected not just Point Blank, but a number of other body armor manufacturers as well. November 2005, he rents two floors of the Rainbow Room for a bat mitzvah of his daughter, Elizabeth. So this is where some of this money is going to, like you were asking. Right. He was living a lavish lifestyle like uh, the whole the time. Nissan guy. Mm-hmm. It costs reportedly $10 million. Who the fuck is having a $10 million bat mitzvah? <laughs> his daughter, Jesus. evidently. $10 million, dude? $10 million. Yeah. Okay. I've gone to... Bought mitzvahs that were nicer than weddings that I've had. What? Yeah. Seriously? People go all out, man. Damn, man. I mean, I know it's like the coming of age, like, that's... Yeah, it's a big deal. Wow. Okay. So, this party... I mean, 10 million, no, but, you know, But nice. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, this party in particular included performances... Did Beyonce sing or something? (laughs) Not at this one. (laughs) J-Lo? No, not at this one. There was performances by Aerosmith. Oh, what? Up there. 50 Cent. 50? 50 was there. The great, uh, rest in peace, Tom Petty. Oh, my God. At her bar mitzvah? Yes, dude. Yes. You might as well just kill yourself after that. Because, like, (laughs) what's left? It doesn't get any better, right? This lineup, Kenny G. What? <laughs> yeah. She had like a Coachella for her bat mitzvah. He was in there playing while everybody was eating their cupcakes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, background nice right? melody That's music crazy. playing. And the Eagles. No. You can never leave. <laughs> Hotel California. <laughs> oh my God. Uh- That's crazy. (laughs) But prosecutors said that David Brooks actually got DHB, his firm that he owns, to pay for for the party and the goodies that were handed out. totally like the Nissan guy. Oh, yeah. He reportedly sent the company jet, the company jet, his jet, to fly Aerosmith from Pittsburgh (laughs) 
paying them a cool $1 million to come and... I mean, you know what? If I was Aerosmith or any of these other bands or singing or... Yeah, dude, I would fucking do parties all day. I would be like, fuck all this other bullshit. I will come and sing at your... I don't know, a your whatever. retirement party exactly. for a million dollars, wow, whatever. that's crazy. Uh, in return, Aerosmith let his nephew play the drums during the event. He so he got up there and played the drums while they were singing or performing. I don't know. This is so weird. This is very glass on you. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? I don't think so. You're not hey, wrong. Hey, you want to work out? What? <laughs> <laughs> Serena showed yeah. up. Gave tennis lessons to the crowd. <laughs> Before the party started, she Wolfgang was like, I'm going to help there. you warm up. Cook. We're going to stretch out before you start dancing to the DJ. They had a little Hell's Kitchen oh set up. Oh, my God. Uh, in honor, crazy. In honor of the band's appearance, Aerosmith, Brooks changed from a black leather suit into a magenta suede oh, biker outfit. Sake. Covered with chains. He's really into it. He was like, Aerosmith. He's doing cosplay. That is daughter's spot <laughs> <Spotman's> mitzvah. <laughs> Sweet. So the uh, body armor tycoon also spent one hundred and twenty-two thousand of company cash on iPods, digital cameras for his guests. I wish I was at this party. I'm just gonna say it right now. I wish I had been invited because <laughs> you would hundred sounds- percent go. <laughs> someone for a present if this is their party like don't even try i'd be like here's a yo-yo something i guarantee you don't have some jordan almonds thank you for coming yes a bag of m&m's for real that have been monogrammed with the date It's so crazy no you get to see aerosmith performing kenny g while i was eating my cupcakes that is crazy. I'm Tom Petty. I'm flabbergasted at I this. I mean, dude, 50 Cent, who wouldn't have loved that? It was also revealed later that he shelled out 20000 for leather-bound invitations. He did leather-bound invitations for his son's party in 2000. Leather-bound invitations. This is stupid money. Leather-bound. Was it made with, like, human skin or something? <laughs> Was it from a unicorn or like a endangered species? <laughs> endangered species. God, like a buffalo or something. It's so weird. <laughs> Just why? Tell me though. I don't know, dude. I don't have an answer. Other investments included a facelift for his ex-wife. But how did your business pay for this, though? I mean, clearly that's not right. Probably like moved money out of their coffers into his own personal account. Right, but I mean, or- you can't be like, oh yeah, the business is doing this. That's not le- that's not legal, is it? No, it's not legal. Okay. You can't do that well, shit. Well, f- I don't know. I don't have this kind of money. I have no idea. <laughs> so, uh, ex-wife gets facelift. Uh, vitamins for his oh, oh, stable of 100 horses. Here we go. See? <laughs> you people that have horses are a red flag. <laughs> Anybody who if has a horse. you're rich and have horses. Fraud. You suspect. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> We're calling it now. You heard it on ODB. Even though this is only what, like the second or third time, I'm yeah, totally. Yeah, I think this is the third time lo- looping them all together. Well, I think actually this is the fourth time if I'm thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, clear red. Fl- we need to add it to the damn whiteboard. Put it on there <laughs> to the GD whiteboard. <laughs> he took, of course, pricey vacations. Fancy jewels, an armored car. He bought an armored car. Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> the end For of days. What? The end of days, Patty. We don't know. A zombie apocalypse. Then he could should get like a SWAT car. It. That'd be way cooler. Maybe it was. I don't know. Oh I didn't see God. a picture of it. A one hundred ninety-four thousand Bentley and a one hundred thousand dollar diamond studded belt buckle. Because who doesn't need a diamond studded belt buckle to wear around town especially when you're rubbing elbows up in dc with all those politicians <laughs> and buckles. stuff you want to it is the wild west now so <laughs> although this was many years ago now but still i don't know if you've seen the belt buckle but it's ugly 
I took a look at it. I took a gander. I don't really like belt buckles, to be honest. Well, I'm not a big belt buckle either, but I would think for $100,000, it might be something that I would drool over, but it wasn't. I said, so he did give charity money to the organizations that he ran. I just want to put that out there. Oh, well, so he wasn't all shit then, right? Well, it's organizations he ran. And he took a tax cut for it. Yeah. So what? Uh, wink, yeah, wink, wink, wink. You got something <laughs> in your eye over there? So Brooks and Hatfield falsely inflated the value of the inventory of DHB's top product, the Interceptor Vest, to help meet earning projections. The scheme boosted the company's stock from $2 a share in early 2003 to nearly $20 a share, share in late 2004. The company was replacing auditors on an annual basis. So if somebody started asking too many questions, they're like, get out of here. <laughs> That's just life, isn't it? You're we're, making trouble. Get out. We're reorging and um, <laughs> we're going in a different direction. We've decided that your position's no longer needed. Next. And then they would hire somebody else. And its chief financial officer stepped down in 2005. DHB founder David Brooks resigned as chairman and CEO in July 2006 to help settle a shareholder lawsuit. Because remember, he had all these lawsuits going on now. That reminds me of someone else. (sighs) Uh, Who is it again? I forget. I think you're hinting at somebody <laughs> more current I in the am. news. I'm yes. Just making a joke. I know. I like it. <laughs> Here we come. Summertime. I can't wait. Break God, out the popcorn. Somebody lawn chairs. All right. So, a number of investigations were unfolding, like somebody else we know. And the SEC soon filed insider trading and fraud charges. Oh, you don't want that. Nope. That's not good. Mm -mm. When the man starts looking into your shit, things start going downhill. And then if it's like in the mail, you're fucked. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. You know, that interstate stuff doesn't look too good. It's not good. Not good. So uh, DHB's former chief uh, financial officer and chief operating officer were charged as well. So the company warned investors there was a possibility that its 2003 and 2004 results would be restated because, oops, I think we had an accounting error somewhere. We didn't know. It must have been because ignorance is no excuse. Those auditors that we were changing out, one of them must have done it. Uh, Cyber ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) So he officially resigned as the scandal started to break out. Company president Larry Ellis, a retired four star general in the U.S. Army, took over as acting CEO at that time, while former California State Senator. William Campbell became chairman of the board. So now there's like all this movement happening. Circling the wagons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company continued to land new police and military contracts. So the prosecution, their investigation actually uncovered the following. So there was unauthorized and undisclosed compensation. Brooks stole more than six mil- $6 million from J- DHB's coffers to finance a horse racing business that had no relationship at all to his corporation also helped him finance his lavish lifestyle so he could get his belt buckle that included uh, that damn belt buckle (laughs) that included corporate paid trips to exotic locations a burial plot for his mother a plasma television for his son's bedroom country club bills (laughs) sapphires and rubies uh, to cover up his theft, Brooks created and directed others to create fake documents and misclassified these personal expenses as business expenses on DHB's books and records. Uh-oh. In yet another scheme, Brooks scalped tickets to sporting events and concerts that DHB paid for and then kept more than 300000 that he generated from selling the company's tickets. Can oh you imagine? God. He was a scalper? <laughs> Wow. Dude, I was reading that. I was like, what in the hell? 
Yeah, he scalped tickets. He bought them with his corporation's money and then to the highest bidder and pocketed the money. I guess to try to hide what he was doing. Oh, my God. So the related party scheme, Brooks also concealed uh, the related party status of Tactical Armor Products, or TAP, a company supposedly run independently of DHB by Brooks' wife, but in fact wholly controlled by Brooks himself. Through this scheme, Brooks siphoned more than $10 million from DHB to pay for obsolete body armor plates sold by TAP. The profits from these concealed related party transactions were used to pay for more than $16 million in Brooks's personal horse racing business, jewelry, and cash investments. To conceal this scheme and deceive auditors and investors, Brooks created fraudulent multi-million dollar transactions and doctored the documents. Cook the books. Yep, he's cooking the books. As far as the accounting goes... Brooks had engaged in accounting fraud schemes designed to increase the net income and profits that DHB reported in its press releases and filings with the SEC by falsely inflating the value of existing inventory, adding non-existent inventory to the company's books and records, and fraudulently reclassifying He's just a total expenses. Scammer. Dude, so much stuff here, man, that they uncovered. So he lied to the auditors and obstructed justice. Brooks attempted to cover up several of the schemes by obstructing SEC's investigation. Brooks and others submitted false reports to the SEC. This is what I don't get. <laughs> this is what I... We've come to the point she doesn't get. <laughs> the government is like on you they're applying heat and right. pressure they fucking know you're caught and, and they're you're like here's some fake paperwork okay odb tip here <laughs> run away <laughs> <laughs> the department of justice or sec or the man comes knocking at your door and says hey we noticed some things are off here I'm telling you right now, they already have the evidence against you. Why you now decide with whatever stakeholders or people you were talking to that we're going to submit more fake documents to these individuals? Right. I mean, as soon as you're doing that, you're fucked. I don't understand what you were thinking. Already know. Yes. If they're if you're this far, they know. Yeah, <laughs> they have a paper trail on so you. So that's are why you they're doing? asking the you're questions. You're just basically putting the cuffs on yourself. <laughs> At this point. Dude, I couldn't get it when I was reading that. I was like, why? Why? Because they think they're, uh, like, smarter than everyone. It was so crazy. So they submitted false reports to them. Uh, Brooks lied to DHB's independent auditors about the inventory inflation fraud. And when auditors tried to look at the phony inventory, Brooks falsely claimed that it had been destroyed in a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say, oh, my dog ate those documents. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the wind came and it just blew right through this building. I don't know what happened. Yeah. They all disappeared. It was so <laughs> weird. Didn't you see it on the news? <laughs> we must have left some windows open. I don't know what happened. So Briggs later admitted that the supposed inventory never actually existed. So they were just making it shit. Total screwed. Yep. For the insider trading in November 2004, several days after DHB filed a financial report with the SEC and sent shareholders a statement containing many of, many of the same misrepresentations and omis omissions, Brooks sold more than 69 million of DHB stock. So he's seeing like things are fucking unraveling. Yeah, he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in December 2004, he sold an additional 116 million in stock, knowing that DHB's stock price of $20 per share had been artificially inflated. Yeah, pump and dump. Mm -hmm, through his many and varied schemes. After those insider sales, DHB stock plummeted to pennies per share, and the company was delisted from the American Stock Exchange. Right. Yep. So they made it look like they just pulled stuff off because, oh, you know. We're just like delisting for a little bit and then we'll like like they're selling a home. You know how for a little while you might get stagnant and nobody's coming to look. So you take it off and then put it back on uh -huh. to like get new. Right. Yeah, that's how they're kind of making it, it look. Yep. 
So uh, federal prosecutors unsealed a 21-count indictment in October of 2007, accusing Brooks of securities fraud, insider trading, tax evasion, and obstruction of justice. He plead not guilty. Of course, because of course he did. I'm sure. Even though they literally have him like practically like doing it on tape. He's like, nope, wasn't me. I gotta go. (laughs) Errol Smith was waiting outside. Yeah, right. And they're like, we don't know you. (laughs) Bro. So Sandra Hatfield the company's former chief operating officer was hit with similar charges because they found evidence to indicate that she was helping. In 2010, Mr. Brooks was convicted of mail and wire fraud. Yeah, you're screwed. Securities fraud and obstruction of justice following an eight-month trial. Eight-month, dude. The last eight months. He later pleaded guilty to filing false tax returns. This dude just won't stop. In 2013, Mr. Brooks was sentenced to 17 years in prison, followed by five years of supervised release. The court also ordered that Mr. Brooks forfeit about $65 million and pay $8.7 million fine. $2.9 million. I'm surprised he didn't run, to be honest. I know. Like, why didn't he just get out while he could? $2.9 million in restitution to the IRS and about $91.5 million in restitution to investors and SS Body Armor Incorporated. The successor to DHB Industries, which sought bankruptcy protection. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we don't want to be associated to that yeah, guy. All right. So following Mr. Brooks' death, the government prosecuted a civil forfeiture action. The action was largely on the claims used to prosecute the criminal case against the former exec. Those claims, along with related actions by investors and the SEC, were resolved with a $143 million forfeiture. It represents the largest civil forfeiture recovery by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York. It is expected that the funds will be remitted to investors, so they're going to recoup some of the costs that they lost, uh, and also reimburse some of the victims of about uh, 90% of the DOG, DOJ, excuse me. (laughs) The dog? (laughs) The dog. (laughs) Their dog that they had, the family dog. Approved losses. The settlement also pri- provided for full payment of approximately $2.9 million tax restitution ordered to the IRS. And a deal approved in November of 2018, the family of the late fraudster forfeited more than a dozen pricey watches, pieces of jewelry, and some of which resemble uh, the Rolling Stones lips and tongue logo. Okay. What Weird, yeah. Also going to the feds. So he kind of thought of himself as a rocker. I think so. Yeah, like amongst that group. The feds also get the 2006 Bentley, a 2005 Ferrari, uh, 3,500 in gold coins, and a gleaming chromed replica of Wall Street's famed charging bull statue. Oh, great. In addition, the Brooks family gave up their claims to nearly 20 bank and investment accounts, Worth more than $143 million. He should have just ran. In exchange, ex-wife Terry Brooks and his three grown children, daughters Victoria and Elizabeth and son Andrew, will get around $24.8 million in cash and a handful of luxury goodies. Wow. The end. (laughs) (laughs) My friend. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So did anybody actually get injured from these? Um, I think they said, thankfully, well, I guess we can't really say for sure, but I think when I was watching American Greed, they really didn't present any evidence that somebody had died okay, as so a result of the armor. But wow. But who knows for sure? You know what I mean? Like, Wow. I don't know if they were able to account for everybody, but I do know like at a certain point when they started discovering that the quality assurance wasn't being done properly on these vests, that they recalled them. So, um, you know, it just sucked though for that time being that 
these groups, the military, law enforcement and stuff were using them and they were out there doing their jobs, their duties, right. thinking that they're thinking good to go. They're safe and mm-hmm. they're not. And they're really not. Freaking so gross. So I uh of course watched American Greed. Did you ever watch that episode? I did not. Okay. I also got notes from the Wall Street Journal, New York Post, the FBI, Encyclopedia actually had some good information on this what case. What is an encyclopedia? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we used to do all our research for reports, guys. Oh, yeah. Encyclopedia all the time. Britannica. But not on the line. The no, actual there wasn't books. a line. It was books. Books and that were sitting in your library. library. If you didn't have them at your mm-hmm. house. Or like if it was in the class readily available, you could grab them there. Like. You Unless had to go. someone else needed the S when you did. <laughs> yeah, and then you had to wait. But you had to go in alphabetical we order. We lived a hard life, okay? I'm surprised we're still here. Seriously. I mean, sometimes when I go to the library and I was like, okay, I need a K, the book was checked out. And you had to wait. And they'd be like, well, it's supposed to be returned on Thursday. Come back Thursday. So then you come back Thursday. Oh, no, they didn't return And it. they were like, oh, they extended the checkout. And you're like, fuck. But how am I going to learn about kangaroos? <laughs> There was no internet. There was no you internet. People are, are soft. Now. Yeah, you little softies running around out there. <laughs> All you have to do is look at your fucking hand, and there's the information. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Ding! You can prove someone wrong in a minute. Yes, fact check it quickly. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny, though, is the other day I was looking on the line, and I actually did a search on something. I don't remember what it was now, but it literally said no results found. And I was like, what? Oh my! What did you search? I don't know. I should have taken a screenshot of it because I was dumbfounded. I was like, "There is no information out there on this." I was like, "What in the fuck?" Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Yeah, that's crazy. Like I remember the days when the internet first started, and you would get the four hundred four or whatever <laughs> they would show. Yeah, you've reached the end of the internet. I have actually seen that myself. I have I have been to the end of the internet (laughs) and lived to tell about it. Oh my god. It's like being in a dome and then like you Usually when I get that no you know, results or whatever, it's because I fucking spelled something wrong. Oh yeah. I asked a weird, awkward question. It's like I don't know what you're saying to me now. No, I don't even know. Try again. Is. But yeah, there was nothing that came back and I was like and then I tried to like type it in differently and the same thing. It was like nothing out <laughs> oh there. Oh my god. I couldn't believe I'm it. Fascinated. I was shocked. I want to know what it is. I know. I wish I could remember and I can't. <laughs> How to save your memory. It just, oh, no just nothing found. Right before this episode <laughs> when we were recording. Morning. I know. So yeah. That was David right. Brooks. He was another scumbag. A winner. We're gonna have to do like a a good show because these are bringing me down. I know, like maybe a movie review or something. Yeah. What would you like I've to seen discuss? A few. Did you see Paint? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. The one know. with um the new movie with Owen Wilson's kind of like based off of Bob. R- no, yeah. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah, we watched it while you were gone selling around <laughs> gallivanting. the world. Yeah, I I'm thought you were coming back again, but no one's helping me out. So <laughs> here I sit. <laughs> yeah, uh that one's what out. What about Air? I heard that's really good. The Michael Jordan. Oh, the Michael Jordan. We could do I that heard one. That's really good. I, I haven't really watched don't know it. anything about it and I'm not really totally into it. Me neither. So. Um there's also Champions. That's the one. Oh, is that even in the theater anymore? It's on Peacock. Oh, okay. So we could do that one. So what we're telling you, listeners, we're going to do a movie we're review next. Some kind of review. We're going to discuss it offline, and then it'll be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, because you guys are like, wrap it up. I know. You're like, in this shit, bitch. I've got stuff to do. You can always turn us off, okay? That's true. You can skip Spend forward now. T- tip of the mess. <laughs> we talk. All right. In other words, we're done here. We're done. Uh, Patty, do you have any um, other things you would like to discuss or bring up? Tips and tricks that I've learned in the week. Oh my gosh! Really? Uh, No one was especially rude to me this week or anything. So, oh, that's good. So, no, I think I'm good. That's awesome. I do have a little travel hack. Oh, okay. Share those of you that check your bag, which I think you're dumb. 
But anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, bringing it on the plane. To put an air tag in it. Yes. And you know where it is. That's actually a good traveling actually, tip. Julie gave me an air um, tag. Well, sort of. Uh, it was a, it's not called an air tag, but it's the same kind of thing. A tile. Okay. And then you okay. can make sure where your bag is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our youngest, I don't know if the other kids have them. They probably do. They're hip to the technology right. and stuff. To the tech. Uh, yeah. He actually put one in his car because he has a Kia. Uh, so if it gets stolen. Yes, we can find it. Yeah, that's so. crazy shit, isn't mm-hmm. it? Damn. So, yeah. yeah, man. These are historic times. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's not the apocalypse or anything. It might be. Some days when it you wake be. up, it feels like I it. I definitely think it might be. But. <laughs> Don't give up, little soldiers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our ODB army. Yeah. It's a small but mighty. Stay strong. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, have a great week. Yep. And uh, hug your mom. Yeah, hug the ones I you mean, love. I mean, it'll be past that, but. You know, and stay you 30 benches. Okay. Yeah. We'll check you out on the next episode. Bye. Bye. I